Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. It's my weekly podcast where I speak to leading investment professionals. My name is Raik van and my guest today is Jason Forsman. He is Head of Equity and Multi-Asset Fund Management at Ashburton Investments. Jason, welcome to the show. Let's start with the, the local market. Uh, we've seen several companies report in recent weeks. Uh, the SA Inc. stocks have performed poorly at best, uh, single-digit or low double-digit growth numbers were reported, uh, some even negative. Um, but despite that, we are seeing the JSC has uh, gained around 8 to 10% since the beginning of the year. How do you see the, the current market dynamic? Look, it's been very, very positive, I think, from you know, never mind the new year, sort of from about the day after Christmas. <laughs> and uh, markets are valued sort of all over the world. Uh, you've had significant gains in China, Brazil, uh, and broad emerging markets. What really happened on the on the 24th? Uh, well, just after the 24th, we saw the Fed chairman of the United States saying that perhaps they wouldn't be raising rates as aggressively as, as they initially had anticipated, and that allowed sort of oxygen to be to be released back into emerging markets, which had almost at that point in time been down in U.S. terms about 30 odd percent. So we, we tend to forget because we've got this buffer called the Rand, the Rand weakened by about 20% and just before Christmas we were down almost 12% for the year, so that's 32% down. So so when we say we've had a, had a decent rally, I think up until in the Fed markets were, as you say, around about 8 and continue to, to rise this year, recovering in, in, in Rand terms, but was really a recovery post quite a significant risk, risk off period for emerging markets, generally speaking. What you've explained there seems to be the the old correlation between what happens in the U.S. happens in South Africa. But over the past few years, it seems like that correlation has uh, diverged. It's it's not as uh, close anymore. Is that your perception too? You know, I think over the last couple of years, we have seen a bit of a de-linking in terms of SA SA performance and the U.S., but not so much a de-linking in terms of SA vis-a-vis other emerging markets and and particularly sort of commodity-producing nations. And we tend to be more sensitive both on the RAND and the implications that that has. So, you know, RAND weakens, inflation goes up, interest rates go up, et cetera, uh, to what's going on in China and China demand. So So we've shifted over the years to a focus on what's happening there. And the reason for that is because China is ultimately our biggest customer. You know, they buy the stuff that we produce. And so you see a big sensitivity there towards that commodity basket and the growth dynamics of the world outside of the U.S. far more so uh, than perhaps in the past. But the local market has also underperformed international markets significantly in recent years. Uh, Everybody now, well, many people refer to the local market as offering good opportunities but the underlying economic conditions just not doesn't justify or um, suggest that we will see a significant upturn uh, in the near medium term future. How do you read that? So there's a couple of things. I think the first thing when we look at our market, we need to divide it into three sections, if you like. Um, one is, is non-resource round hedges. Those companies, industrial companies that are largely offshore-based get the majority of their income from offshore, uh, if not all of their, their income from offshore. So there's a typical example would be a Richmond. And you've got a British American tobacco, and Nashcash would be also a good example of that. Then you've got your resource shares, uh, which are SA-based, but driven by global commodity markets and prices, priced in U.S. dollars. Uh, and that's driven by by the demand dynamic, specifically coming out of China. Then we've got our Anglo's, you know, our Billy South 32, those kind of things. And then you've got, as you refer to, your SA Inc., those shares that are specifically sensitive to what's going on in South Africa. And that's the component 
that is done particularly poorly of late. And that's for obvious reasons. You know, we came, we, we had a, a very short sort of technical recession, I say, but then emerging out of that was a very sort of uh, a low levels of economic activity in the country. So I think if you're a South African, there's been no surprise that um, your retail type stocks, your banks, etc., are giving you muted returns, you know, nowhere near double-digit returns. At the same time, businesses run pretty well and efficiently to give you numbers uh, that are above, you know, our GDP, nominal GDP growth rate. So I think that's, that's how to look at the market in these three components, focusing on where's the value right now or perceived value. That would be in the SA Inc.'s trading at, at ratings or PEs, if you like, forward PEs at levels that I, you know, I've been sort of trading the market since uh, 97. Uh, very rarely do you see these sort of low valuations on SA stocks, and that's because of the current environment we find out of them. So when it comes to equity investing, one's got to look forward. So do you see a world or a country that over the next 18, 24 months can recover to higher level of GDP and therefore profitability. If so, then this is a good time to, to buy those equities or to upweight them. If not, if you see you know, a negative outcome in the election and a further deterioration in SOEs, further downgrade, etc., then of course those low prices are possibly justified. So which companies are you buying within that scenario now? So overall, we, you know, uh, we'll talk about our stocks just now, but we, we run a more or less sort of balanced approach. We've got some resources, we've got some of these non-resource rand hedges, and then we've got SA Inks. Into this weakness, I've been shifting our bias from an offshore sort of bias into a local bias, but then we focus in order to protect ourselves. So, so we do see a world and a country that can start improving and with the, with the metrics and the growth, the growth factors start start improving quite, quite reasonably over the next 18 to 24 months, and therefore I am seeing value. But to protect ourselves, we tend to try and uh, only upweight those stocks which we regard as decent quality. In other words, those stocks that have quite a solid, decent uh, balance sheet already have good, solid margins, so that if we don't get our timing quite right, you know, these are businesses that at the very least will outperform their competitors, and if competitors fail, we'll actually take market share from them, so that over the long term, um, you, you're putting yourself in a good position for, for alpha. Can you name a few of those stocks? Yes, I mean, we've uh, recently, as you know, you saw Mr. Price come off quite, quite aggressively as it uh, uh, released results that, in my mind, were, were not unexpected, but slightly lower than the market expected, and the rating came back quite aggressively. Here you've got a company that has by far the best uh, return on this capital in any other company, significant margins, which gives you lots of, lots of safety, good cash flow, and almost no debt. So we've been, we've been upweighting that a bit. And then on the food retail side, we like a, we like a shop right kind of story and then uh, entering into weakness on that one. I'm looking at the fund fact sheet of your equity fund, um, one which you co-manage and uh, the composition is interesting, very much blue chip stock focus. Yeah. Um, NASPAS uh, represents 12.5% of the portfolio, first rand 7.8%, and then uh, the other names in the top 10 list is BHP Billiton, Bitvest, Standard Bank, Anglo-American, Richmond, uh, Sunlum, uh, Mr. Price, uh, and Sassel. Have, have you changed a lot at the, at the top end of the portfolio? I wouldn't say change lots. What we do is we, we, we so we, we are macro, we, mac, we call it macro focus quality. We look at the macroeconomic environment first, how, how does it pertain to the stocks. We, we construct a pool of stocks, uh, which are high quality stocks. And then depending on the, that macroeconomic environment, 
uh, and, and, and various valuations will shift the weightings uh, in this year. So we, so we carry this core quality. Um, by virtue of carrying the core quality, you always have uh, a focused portfolio. So you'll see a high weighting. When you see banks, you'll only see two banks. So we want to pick the top two banks. When you see insurers, you'll only, you'll only see one and, and so on and so forth. And that's how we construct, construct the portfolio of quality to uh, ultimately through time reduce volatility. So when we see shifts uh, in the economic environment over the next 18 to 24 months and see opportunities in value, we shift the weight. So we at this position large overweight in these uh, land in the resource shares, um, and that worked very, very well for us as they, as they recovered over the last few years. Slowly but surely, as we're starting to feel that the land might be slightly overvalued and that the local investors might be over-pessimistic, we're starting to shift that bias away from there into these these value uh, SA inflows, as I, as I chatted about earlier. Naspas, um, of course, uh, the star performer on the JSE over the past few years, actually more than the past few years. What do you think the prospects for Naspas are? Naspas, obviously, massively dynamic and, and, and powerful company through Tencent. I think the main focus is, is actually Tencent. Uh, it, it's the driver of the Nasdaq. Uh, Nasdaq share price, you pretty much give it, get everything else for free. So you really, if you if you want to invest in, in Nasdaq, you need to understand the dynamic that's driving that market. And that's really China focused. It's all about uh, mobility, access to social networks, etc. In China, and payment systems and everything that is that, that is tech. So there is a very powerful movement uh, in China as they transition from a manufacturing agrarian type economy into a consumer services based high tech. Economy. So, so we, we truly believe that Tencent is well positioned to continue to benefit from that cycle. Obviously, like all things, it doesn't go up in a straight line, and there are bumps along the road. Uh, you know, the more recent ones being legislative uh, type of interference from from government. But at the end of the day, Tencent constitutes quite an integral part of of Chinese government policy on the, uh, with regards to the growth trajectory of the next five to ten years. And so we believe they will be accommodating and supportive of the company over the long term. So one really just sort of has to understand that it's never going to be a one-way street, but it is a very powerful space that they find themselves in. Nasdaq is obviously a significant component in our all share. Uh, and if you benchmark towards the all share, which, which, which we are, uh, it's very difficult to, to have a no weight. You've got to, you've got to have a very strong negative opinion on the stock. We don't. We, we like it. Um, but we'll tend not to go much beyond that kind of weighting in the stock, regardless of, of, of whether we think it, it has additional value or not. Yeah, at 12.5%, it seems underweight. I'm looking at your but, balanced fund, and the first thing I, which is um, interesting is that the, the performance over five years of your balanced fund exceeds the performance of your equity fund. Yes, and I think that tells the story about uh, South African risk assets, generally speaking, and, and those globally. So I've just been on a roadshow with my fixed income colleague, and of course he puts up his slides, and he beats both of those funds. Uh, and I said to him, you know, in, in my entire life, we, we didn't even used to invite the fixed income people into the room, and, and now you guys are the heroes. So, so we live in a world where, where cash has been king, um, and there's been a big sort of a risk premium on, on South African cash, so you, so you can get a yield of about 8% in the money market fund while we're sitting at inflation of 45 So So that's about as high as I've ever seen it. Um, and so we've lived in a world where you've deleveraged out of risk and you've actually profited from taking whether that is able to persist or sustain profit. It's probably unlikely, but the timing is a little difficult. I think we, we live in a world faced with a lot of tricky uh, things going on, a lot of hurdles which we 
to come before one can be sort of uh, fully embrace risk and buy you know buy wholly into an equity portfolio. So I think a balanced approach is is the right approach for now. Um, not only has the performance been better, the volatility is, is significantly lower, but it's really just a function of global markets as, as we found over the last five years. Yeah, over the last five years, the balance fund returned 6% per annum, um, while the equity fund returned 4.6%. Just lastly, I also see in your equity fund, you have uh, only 6.7% in cash. What is the thinking here? Some fund managers are being cautious and they have a higher cash allocation. What is your thinking? So strategically, what uh, at Ashburton, the equity fund uh, is more or less fully invested. I think, I think the logic is if you want to invest in, you know, in an equity fund, we, you know, our goal, our target is to, is to be fully invested. So for us, uh, a high cash weighting would be around about 10%. Uh, which we go to in terms of in terms of uh, volatility, or when we think that market valuations are overstretched, and we'll use that cash and redeploy it back up to that sort of 98, 99, almost 100 percent level as as we see opportunities. So for us, uh, a six percent cash holding is is reflected that we are seeing risks out there, volatility, which should lead to opportunities along the way, which we'll we'll try and capture as and when we see them. Is the fund only invested in South Africa? The, the equity fund is invested uh, only in South Africa. It's a, it's a equity fund. We have recently changed the mandate uh, to allow us to start to transition offshore, and we're going to do that gradually. Mm. And just lastly, uh, we are facing more exciting times uh, politically, economically, and internationally. What do you expect for the, the next year or two? I'm expecting a lot of volatility, um, but I do think that all the risks that we face, there are road signs out there that will tell you danger or, or safety. So we know the world is, is, is fragile. Uh, it's fertile for things to go wrong. But luckily, we understand what, what actions are taken that will lead it to, to a difficult place and those actions that, that will take us to, to a place of safety. So I'm expecting a lot of volatility. And the way we're reacting to that is when there's, when there's volatility, when markets sell off, we have cash, we deploy it, we enter risk, and then obviously as, as, as you recover and enter a period of complacency, do the equal and opposite. And the volatility will be part of our lives for some time to come. But right now, there are a number of critical issues uh, which heighten that sort of risk sentiment, which as we overcome them, should see an underpin to, to risk assets over the next 12 months. Thank you, Jason. That was Jason Forsman. He's head of equity and multi-asset fund management at Ashburton Investments.